We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. segment today i'm going to be joined by dustin dopirek from the indy star dustin what is going on man how you been doing well man a lot's going on a lot of workouts every day we're going over there to ascension st finch and seeing new seeing new people it's uh definitely intriguing time of year coming up obviously big decisions for the pacers coming up you know we're recording this around eight o'clock on thursday night and about two weeks from now we will know at this point who the pacers take at the seventh pick or if they've moved that pick or whatnot so it's it's really exciting because we are that close to the NBA draft being here, but lots of workouts have been going on. Uh, let's just start off with Trace Jackson Davis because he was mm. the local guy here uh, sure. in Indiana. I think they worked on Monday, right? Yep. Mm. So let's let's talk about to blend together. We've been there all. I feel like I've been there all week. <laughs> I know that's the crazy thing. So they were mm. in Monday. Uh, his group was. What did you think about Trace Jackson Davis and that group's workout? Well, I thought the, I mean, obviously we don't get to really watch them. Uh, basically they let us in as soon as they're done doing real workout stuff. Uh, and then they do a little bit of shooting around, but I mean, I thought obviously the thing that stood out, um, was, you know, Azulis Tabellis, um, brought this up, you know, uh, unprompted that Trace had a couple threes in his face. And so it's, uh, you know, just some level of, um, evidence that he can hit that shot. And if he can hit that shot, that obviously, uh, that makes a significant difference for him in, in terms of uh, what he's capable, where he's capable of going, how much trust teams are going to have in him. Um, and it doesn't necessarily, I don't, I don't know what it means exactly for how the Pacers are going to view him. Um, but he, whether you view him as a small ball five or whether you view him as uh, a power forward, you still want to see some level of, of outside shooting. And obviously um, for the purposes of, trying to win Indiana, you know, college basketball games. He only took three threes in his entire college career in four years. All of those came in his junior year and he did not make a single one of them. Um, but, you know, his sort of argument has been like, look, I did not take them because I'm incapable. I didn't take them because I'm way better around the rim. And I felt like we need to make every possession count. Uh, yeah. And I, I think that's really the driving force of it is, 
Indiana was never good enough that he felt like he could blow off games, uh, that, that he could spend games experimenting. He felt like he had to take it to somebody, uh, you know, basically just take it to the opponent at the rim uh, every game and not waste any of those and 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 draw double teams, even if he wasn't going to score, just, you know, just bring in that gravity. Uh, I, I think he felt like a, a three was ultimately a wasted shot. He was If, if he was lucky, he was going to be successful 30% of the time. Um, and the other 70% could be wasted, wasted shots. And he was also the best rebounder. So you're taking him away from the rim. Um, he's a very, very intellectual kid really gets the game. Uh, and, and really for, for several years has been just really terrific at talking the game. I mean, which when I was covering them, uh, you know, first for the athletic and then for, um, uh, for, for Herald times slash Indy star, uh, and, and even the daily Hoosier in between there, I just was always impressed with just how much understanding, uh, he showed at the game of basketball and, 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 and it, he got so, so a lot more sort of confident talking with the media going forward. You really got a sense of just how much he understood it. And he ultimately made a calculation. Um, and, and he put his team ahead of his own draft prospects. Um, but I think it matters that teams are seeing him put the ball in the hole from, you know, 25 feet out, uh, whatever it is, whatever kind of shots he's taking, just to show that he can do it. It does. He doesn't, I don't think he has to be a great shooter necessarily, um, but I think they need some level of evidence that he can make that shot that's, that he wasn't hiding something that was completely broken, um, mm-hmm. that it was really sort of a, a, a sort of mathematical decision he made versus uh, a decision just to, to be afraid of embarrassing himself. So I think that's positive uh, for him. That was a big step. But I think, you know, I, I think he's just performed well. And I think generally... Teams are going to like this guy. I don't know if he's a fit for the Pacers, particularly with their roster, uh, particularly they view him as a center because we spent all of last year talking about backup centers minutes. Um, and so I, I I don't know that that he fits with Indiana's roster, but I think he fits in any locker room uh, in the league because of just all the skills he's got, personality, intellect, all that stuff. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting because obviously I think Daniel Tice is somebody that could be on the move. Uh, who knows what Jalen Smith future looks like. And then, of course, you're looking at Miles and Isaiah. You could always use a third-string center. So maybe if they decide that they're going to move off some of those other bigs they have, you could make a case for them. But we had Tyler Metcalf on from No Ceilings, and I thought he brought up a great point. He said, every year I've been watching Trace and evaluating him as a prospect, and I just feel like, nope, he's not going to be anything. He's a big that can't shoot. Nope, nope, nope. He said, now to the point where he's going to end up getting drafted in the first round, where I didn't, where I didn't expect him to get drafted, and then when we do a redraft in a couple of years, he's going to be a top 15 guy because he's just he just gets it and he just keeps improving every single year. And mm-hmm. I kind of feel the same way about him. I, I I just got this like gut feeling like smart basketball players that have good feel for the game that can continue to evolve as a player. And we've yeah. seen that growth. To me, those are the guys that, that make it. And I feel like college players that 22, 23, whatever, if they're a little bit older, they get overlooked. But at the end of the day, if you can play basketball, who cares how old you are? You're going to be able to find a spot on the NBA. On the floor, yeah, you're that good. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, I definitely agree. I mean, I, I don't know if 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 he'll make that kind of leap in some kind of redraft, but it's certainly possible. I, I just, I, I really getting to be around this group and seeing the personality and how important chemistry was uh, for this team. I mean, it probably had as much fun as a 35 and 47 team could possibly <laughs> have, and 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 made them, I think, sort of feel like okay, this is going somewhere. Man, personality really counts. You know, it, it really does. Intellect counts. Ability to improve counts. Ability to understand just what you're doing, you know, schematically counts. And Trace has all that. And I, I just, he's a pro. He just operates and functions like a pro. And I, I think that just, that gives him a real shot, um, you know, to really make it and get somewhere uh, in this league. He's going to be advanced. He's going to be able, I think, of contributing and giving you something mm-hmm. right out of the gate. Now, I mean, I, I think he'll start 
wherever he goes as a bench player, you know, I mean, I, you know, he's, he's a very good athlete. He's not a, you know, he's not an athlete at Isaiah's level, frankly. Yeah. Uh, Jackson's a higher leaper for sure. You know, more length, uh, you know, Trace has got a lot of it and he's a very good athlete compared to most, but Isaiah is, is a, is a bigger leaper, more of a short thing as a lob finisher. Um, there are going to be guys that are better athletes. There are going to be guys that are bigger. They're going to going to be guys who have more complete games. Um, but, I, but like, to your point, you know, he, he really, even though the shot didn't come, I think a lot of people were like, well, he didn't get any better because he didn't make the shot. It's like, if you looked at the rest of his game, every single other part got better. He got mm-hmm. better handling the basketball that he could take the ball up, uh, you know, himself. He could, you know, he, he wasn't necessarily functioning as a point guard, but he could get the rebound and push the break uh, himself. He got to be a, an exceptional passer out of the post. I mean, th- I thought that was the biggest, um, you know, leap he made. And, and I don't think it was a bad one as a freshman and sophomore, but I didn't notice him. Mm-hmm. As, as as a you know passer as a freshman and just the more and more you just saw like his skill of just handling the basketball he could just kind of like lean it back there and whip it whatever direction he wanted to and find shooters and he, he you know basically deserved more assists uh he didn't necessarily have a very good uh you know shooting team but i think this year he made uh indiana a better shooting team percentage wise they didn't take a ton of them uh in terms of volume but you know he was able to set guys up with some wide open ones because he got the gravity just drew people in uh and when he was able to find the open man whip it out to him and get it to him too fast for a close out to catch him um so i you you did see him see that there's other ways of getting better there's other ways of improving rebounding blocking shots you know woodson let him go whereas you know archie miller kind of kept him pinned to his man in that pack line system but you know he uh woodson came in and said hey if you got to leave your man to go block a shot go do it and so he was freed up and he started you know putting you know to a game off the glass and so he it's there was real development you know uh and 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 important steps that were taken again i think just guys that can do that uh are going to be nba players and i I think it's going to be in in the league for a long time yeah for sure Uh, let's move over to tuesday now because there's some more big name headliners there i guess you could say in terms of the later picks uh Gigi jackson was a name that really mm-hmm. is kind of all over the place in terms of where people evaluate him and believe in him i mean youngest player in this draft was rated number one in his uh high school class so very talented player and then of course you also have a younger player from alabama noah Clowney, that came in and those are mm-hmm. the two guys that kind of headlined that workout when you talk to those two guys and maybe the rest of this group anything stand out to you anything you like about their games yeah, I mean, Jackson, it's just um, it, it's I mean, there's so much inconsistency, but there's like uh, the mound of clay is really impressive. Uh, it, it's it's de- he's definitely a guy that's going to be a project. No doubt about it. You're not um, getting somebody that's game ready day one, um, but he's just shown for years. I mean, he can make shot or not shown for years. I'm sorry. That's totally not the case. What I mean, uh, <laughs> he's. He hasn't shown anything for years, um, but you you watch his tape and I mean, you just see just so much smoothness, so much athleticism, bounce, the ability to hit shots from outside. I mean, he really moves like a wing, but he's six nine. Um, I mean, probably, you know, it was, I don't know if he was six eight on barefoot or whatever he was. Uh, I don't even know if he measured at the combine, to tell you the truth. But, um, you know, just there, he's just a big raw athlete and and but he's got a lot of you know perimeter skill a lot of ability to handle the basketball it's just he hasn't uh made it consistent yet and i thought he he made a really interesting point about his own game saying you know that, that he watched a lot of film of his shots and you know his his um 
trainer told him it's got to be carbon copy. It's got to be repeatable. He's like, what you're doing is not repeatable. Um, that's what stands out is that you're taking different shots at different times. You're not moving your body all the same way every time. Like it's got to be, you know, it's got to be a constant when you're taking this shot from this spot, it's got to look the same way every time, you know, pulling up from here, you know, whether it's a, you know, dribble pull up or whether it's a catch and shoot, you know, like whatever position you're in, you know, they, they can be different based on situation, but you know, when you're in that situation, it's got to be repeatable. And that's why you're only shooting 38% on the floor because what you're doing is not repeatable. You know, mm -hmm. you're, you're just not uh, all in, you know, just doing it the same thing, the same way over and over again. Um, so you, you, there's going to be, a have to be a lot of individual coaching, a lot of skill instruction and, and somebody working with him very closely. But when he gets it right, man, there's there's a ton of potential to be him, him to be a really good player. And there's a good chance he's slipping. Um, you know, there's a good chance he's a guy that you can scoop up, uh, it, you know, in the late first round. And if you get him on a team that's already pretty well put together, you can hide him. You know, maybe in the not too distant future, you could send him down in G League for a little bit. Um, but he could turn out to be a really good player. Uh, you know, I mean, I like the personality on the kid, too, as much yeah. as. You know, the, a lot of times, you know, when someone's that inconsistent, you kind of sense it within them. You're like, okay, I get, I get why you're all over the place. And it's not the case with him. I mean, obviously he decided to reclass and I'm sure there's, there's stuff there, but like, I mean, he was telling us his dad's a pastor, you know, like he's got all these sort of like life quotes floating around that like, I mean, I, you know, that, that it seems like you get when you're around, you know, those type of people. Um, you know, I mean, I think I, we, uh, Scotty Agnes and I got to watch a little bit of his, uh, workout at the combine, uh, and he was playing like gospel music and whatever, like it's his thing. And so like, it's a weird thing to say, like, I'm not doing this to push religion on anybody or anything like that. Um, but basically he's got something grounding him. Um, mm -hmm. so I think that's a, that's a good sign if you're a team to say, okay, like this guy's not just all over the place wild. Like he's, he, you know, he's might be doing this too early. Um, he might be doing this too young, but he's at least got some kind of, you know, sol solid backing that you think if you take, you get a hold of him and really work with him, he could turn into a really good player. Uh, you know, again, he reclassed, you know, I mean, he was number one in the class of 2023, uh, but he moved up to 2022. And I think he was like top six in that or okay. something. But, um, you know, he's you know, maybe he could have used that extra year of high school, you know, maybe he could have, you know, done better to be a, a better program. I mean, he was, he, he uh, uh, left North Carolina, maybe he'd have been better off going there. Um, ultimately though, you know, he is a, a pretty impressive sort of piece of clay. And if, if you have the time and the energy to mold him, you could end up getting a really good player. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he has a religious background, I mean, his name just sounds like he could be a reverend as well. Reverend Gigi Jackson. I mean, it just sounds <laughs> yeah. like something they could do if basketball doesn't work out. So I'm just saying yeah. he's got the name for it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I'm very in, I'm very intrigued by him as a prospect. I think that he could be worth a late a later pick. I mean, I would even consider trading up for him if you really believe in the talent, especially mm -hmm. with the infrastructure the Pacers have established over the last yeah. season. Mm -hmm. Iris Halliburton, I, I think he's just a great leader. I think Rick Carlisle oh. and his coaching staff could do wonders for him. <laughs> yeah. And, and then he could really do wonders for the organization if he's mm -hmm. able to grow up and mature and just become a more consistent player. So he's one mm -hmm. of those guys that I think is a major wild card that uh, sure. if he goes to the right team, I think he's going to end up having a really good NBA career. But uh, yeah. Let's move on to, to Wednesday's workouts because we had two individual workouts here for the most frequently mocked players to the Pacers at seven. Mm -hmm. Jairus Walker and Taylor Hendricks both are very different players, but they play the same position. Right. Um, maybe, maybe based off some of your feedback that you got, 
mm-hmm. and some of what you've seen on film, who do you think fits with what the Pacers are trying to do moving forward? I mean, I think they both do. You know, it's one of those situations. I mean, it, I don't know what I would tell you to do if they're both on the board. You know, if it, and, and if you decide, I mean, I kind of look at it. There's two different decisions that the Pacers have to make. Like one is it's like sort of in terms of who I think is going to be there. Um, you could find yourself in a position where you're deciding and well, not all of these guys are going to be there. I guess it, it's it's it, it's probably two of the four I think are going to be on the board between Whitmore, Osar Thompson, Jarris Walker, Taylor Hendricks. So I think there's a chance that what you're doing is you're you know you're you're deciding between two of them and it's either the higher higher ceiling gamble guy or the guy who fits you. Um, but there's certainly a chance that Whitmore and Osar both go, and then you are deciding between the two guys that uh, seem to fit you, and it's what do you what fits better. Um, you know, Hendricks obviously is just a little longer, a little leaner, um, you know, a little bit better shot blocker, but very, very good at, you know, rotations, moving around, defending uh, multiple positions. Obviously, what what they both have and that is important uh, is that they can they can both really defend multiple positions well, that they can get down and, and guard a guard uh, if they have to, and they can, uh, you know, stand up a little bit and, and guard some bigs. I mean, obviously, they're not, um, you know, Walker's giving up inches and uh you know Hendricks has given up pounds if you're if you're putting them in the post um but the fact that you can put them out and guard guards on the perimeter is is a big deal uh Hendricks obviously is a better shooter um you know his numbers are much better there and not only you really watch him on tape um and it's not it what I think stands out about it is like where he gets them I think is is a good sign that it's not just like corner threes basically it's not just you know it's not even just straight catch and shoot there's a little bit of movement there and he can hit him up on the elbow he can hit him up the top of the key you know kind of everywhere you, you see him hit threes everywhere on the board which I think is a good sign um he's not a ton of movement shots not a ton of off the dribble stuff but a little um, you know, Walker's not bad either, but I like Hendricks more as a shooter. Uh, Walker obviously gives you the more size and muscle. And I think, but he's also trimmed up good, which I think is a good thing. Um, you know, like you probably saw all, all of our videos. Like I think he was, you know, shirtless by the end, uh, and sort of like walking around, but you could notice like, okay, this guy's trimmed up, you know, this guy's, he's, he looks a little wider, uh, on tape at Houston. So he says, you know, I've been cu- cutting out the wing stop and the Chick-fil-A, uh, to trim up a little bit and move a little bit better. And he was already moving pretty well to start with. You know, it was a good bit of agility for a guy that size. Um, so all of it, like both of them, you know, I, I don't know which one fits better. I lean Walker um, just because I think the, the muscle helps just because I think they just need, you know, they need to box out a little bit better. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think it's a big piece. Just get more guys who can really, uh, you know, box out at the floor. I mean, Neesmith, I think, worked his butt off to rebound, and he was just giving up so much size. You know, yeah. I, I th- you really, you know, and, and it's tough when you're only getting, what, 3.8 rebounds from your power forward, you yeah. know. But I, I don't look at Neesmith and say, well, he didn't try. I mean, that guy, you know, I, I never thought that about Aaron Neesmith all year at anything, uh, mm-hmm. but he wasn't giving you everything he got. Um, but that's tough. Uh, but so I think – you know, I, I lean Walker between the two, but you could, you know, like ask me tomorrow um, and, yeah. you know, you could change my mind. I mean, I think there if it comes down between the, those two, I don't think they can make a bad move. But I, I think those two are the safe move. You yeah. Know? When, when I asked Caitlin Cooper about this, the other podcast we just did, she said it's really a coin flip. And I told her I can convince myself either way for both of right. them. I, and I think that's kind of where I'm at still. I think that Walker if Caitlin feels that way, I feel better. Yeah, she said like, it's a coin flip. I mean, when yeah, we were talking, if Caitlin she, thinks it's a coin flip. I feel better about my analysis because yes. hers is ridiculously good. So, so that makes me feel more smart. Yes, uh, and it, she thinks that too. 
Yeah, anytime Caitlin and you are like in agreement, it's like, okay, I'm like, all right, okay, maybe seeing something. All right. But yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I just like she brought up on the pod though that I really I I liked is Jarris is a bit concerning in terms of can he guard ones, twos, and threes, right? Because ones especially. Ones especially. I I feel like twos and threes, bigger twos and threes, I don't think you feel like you have a problem. Um it's, it's you handle a one. And I think Hendrick's ability to really defend a smaller guy. That's more seems to stand out a little bit better uh, than yeah. it does. And and he didn't have to do it because obviously they had good defenders up front. I mean, Houston was just loaded with defensive guys. Um, so, yeah, that's a little bit of a concern. I think that's partly why he's trimmed up. I yeah. Part of it is, is to, so that you can keep those kind of guys in front of him. If Jarrett's can't shoot, though, that's going to be a problem, um, yeah. especially next to Miles, because we already saw what happened with Jalen Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he was playing next to Miles, they ended up putting fours on Miles, which makes it more difficult for him to be – uh, effective on the perimeter mm-hmm. um we did see miles work a little bit more on his touch in the post last season and yeah. we saw different times where he was able to bully somebody that was a little bit smaller but for the mm-hmm. most part we saw him struggle when he had fours on him compared to five so mm-hmm. i think that his stretchability playing the five like if you have someone out there that's a non-shooter non-threat and a jairus walker that could be problematic for miles if you're if you're wanting to keep him long term now if you have taylor Hendricks out there and he's a 38, 39% three-point shooter, well, then they're going to have to keep honest with that. And I think mm-hmm. athletically, it's close. But I, I think I would probably lean more Hendricks athletically as well. But uh, mm-hmm. those two guys to me, it's I'm leaning Hendricks. That's kind of who I've been favoring for the past mm-hmm. couple of weeks. But I definitely understand the Jairus Walker case. And I did a poll today asking mm-hmm. fans who they would rather have between the two. And it was like Jairus Walker, like almost 70%. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are excited because of, the defensive upside, the size, and you know, being a 240 right. pounds, seven mm-hmm. foot plus wingspan, six foot eight is how tall he is. So, you know, there's mm-hmm. things to like. And I just feel like, you know, like you said, you can't go wrong. But then there's this twist because we still have yet to see if the Thompson twins are going to work out for individual workouts. And we don't know uh, if Cam Whitmore is going to be on the board at this point either. So, right. it, it's one of those things where it's like Cam is a very good player. Mm-hmm. And I've said this on multiple podcasts. I'm curious your thoughts, but. Do you think that there's too much overlap with how he plays and Benedict Mathern and how he plays? Hmm. Um. There could be. There could be because obviously some some part both parts of their game is it really comes down to being able to drive you know just really drive the basketball and go out all out. I mean, I guess you can. <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, there could be. Yeah. You know, there could be. But but I, what what that comes down to is both of them then have to get uh better at their weaknesses both of them have to be better outside shooters uh and they have to find ways of playing off each other and it's just like if there's i feel like you can make that much talent play together uh i I feel like you can force it but it it does come down to skill development in that case like they you know both of them are you know have have at this point proven to be iffy shooters that they have stretches where they shoot the ball really well and stretches where they don't and you need one of them to be more consistent you need you need at least one of them to be more consistent um and i don't know that you're gonna create a situation where it's there's that they're each two ball dominant i mean i I feel like halliburton can kind of distribute well enough to keep those guys together but like they have to be able um you know they have to be able to shoot the ball you know they they have to be able to you know just just consistently you know i I think you got to get one of them up around 40 exactly i think that's a big part and i think the passing ability like you know Halliburton's a good enough passer and playmaker, but those guys are going to be secondary playmakers. At least one of them would have to be more willing to pass the ball up at times when 
mm-hmm. instead of just looking to score because then I think your offense could get stagnant and the ball gets yeah. stuck. So, and that's the most concerning number you look at at Whitmore that he's like, what was he? Uh, he's under an assist per game. Yeah, I think, I think so. And yeah. Mather, like, what did he average like two or one all season? Yeah, somewhere in that range. And you started to see him try to force it toward the end of the year, but he had some bad turnovers too. Yeah. Yeah, that's it is an issue. I mean, obviously, you know, you, you've got Nemhart as a piece of that too, where you have two ball handlers. And so that that creates some more ball movement overall. But um you, you it can't it can be a problem. It's just one of them better be able to shoot and they better be able to both be be good passers. I mean, I, I think you can get it out of them just because I think there's just a lot of skill there. Um, but it is going to take some coaching. It is going to take some doing um, if, if you're going to have those guys together. Yeah, this is where I think the Thompson twins are a little bit different than Cam Whitmore because they're mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, their wingspan's a lot larger. Uh, yeah. Seven-foot wingspans, I think they're about six, seven, six, six, six and a half, six, seven, something like that for both of what they measured in at. Yeah, I think they were six, six. I think it was six, six and a half. Yeah. And six, I don't know. Was I don't think six, they were five? below six, five. I think they were both six, six or taller, but they had seven-foot wingspans and – we know mm-hmm. that, you know, they're not great shooters, but they definitely are really good passers. So, yeah, they're phenomenal. Uh, yeah. Uh, a men's probably more of a playmaker than a SAR, but a SAR is a really good playmaker that it can also score better than a men can. So, mm-hmm. to me, it's like I'm I'm kind of intrigued by a SAR. I, I think that his ceiling mm-hmm. could be really high. Um, right. If he could find that shot just consistently, like you said, man, he could be like one of the best players in this draft class. That's kind of mm-hmm. how I feel about him. I don't. I think Amin's a lot further away from finding his shot. Mm-hmm. But yeah. uh, But that's kind of where I'm at with the Pacers because it's like, yeah, I definitely think they need a four. And, and Hendricks and Walker just are so much more seamless fits. Right. But in terms of, like you said, reaching a, a certain level of talent, mm-hmm. I, I feel like Asara's probably got the highest ceiling of those, those three names right there. Yeah, no, I mean, I think um... – just I I keep going back to stuff that Pritchard said the night of the lottery, because uh, I think Pritchard's such a fascinating guy in terms of how he talks because he just like we we don't get him that often, but you really feel like you got every um, question more or less answered because because he and he rambles too, you know, like he he goes off and you kind of really see how the the ears churn in his head. Um, you know, there's probably stuff he tells us that he shouldn't tell us to be honest, but. You know, uh, Scotty Agnes asked him, you know, like, are you more of a uh, a uh, best player available or, um, you know, fit guy? And he said, you know, I've been wrong. I, I've 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 gone down both tracks and I've been wrong both ways, you know, and I'd like to think I've been right both ways. Um, but he said the, the thing he said at the end there that he made a point of saying was you got to have a guy with a high ceiling if you're going to be pick at seven. I mean, you think about how many times in the history of this franchise have they picked as high as seventh, you know, like, yeah. Not a lot and and not a lot since 1990. I mean, really, they had a stack of them uh, in the late 80s, you know, when they were pretty bad and hit Smiths and Chuck Person and some of those guys. When, and that came, kind of became uh, the core for them to be, being a pretty good team in the early 90s. Um, and so you can't it, when you get those kind of opportunities, you can't miss them. You, you then and, and you don't necessarily want them to be. Um, just a safe guy you'd like to be an all-star caliber so Matherin you obviously nail because you you have a ton of upside there but also um it, you know it, it was a rare opportunity you looked at a guy that you knew he was ready um and you knew he had potential to get a lot better um and so that, by the time and, and oddly he was kind of I think the last guy in that draft you could say that about um and he's actually out- outperformed some of them but it's like you, you look at that guy and that was sort of a safe easy decision to make um where this was a little different i mean i think you look at walker and, and you look at hendrix and you see that's that's safe but 
you know, are they going to be all-star caliber players? You know, like, are, are you going to look at them down the line and say, man, that guy was a, a serious dude? Or are you just going to say, okay, yeah, that, that was a good solid, you know, foundation piece starter where you might look at the Thompson twins and say, okay, like you might end up missing on those, but you could also see those guys being all-stars. You know, yeah. you could also see those guys being, you know, primary scorers on a team, primary offensive options, like high level athletes. Cause I mean, between the wingspan, the athleticism, the passing ability, the playmaking ability, uh, there's just a, a ton of it all there. And now obviously you got to see what that looks like, you know, in the NBA as opposed to overtime elite. We, we, we have, we're still trying to figure out what's our baseline uh, there for trying to evaluate guys. Um, so I, I think that, um, you know, I, I do think Kevin will have a hard time passing up on that because mm -hmm. I, I he does think that, hey, you know, there's got to be big time potential here for these guys to be true stars um, yeah. if, if you're picking at seven. So I, I think if one of them is left on the board, I think he's going to have a hard time passing them up. I think Eamon will be gone. Um, I think, I, you know, if the Rockets pick at four, I think they're going to have a hard time passing him up. Yeah, uh, it makes sense, especially with uh, Ime Udoka there as their head coach. Defensive-minded right. guy. Uh, you got enough mm -hmm. shooters on the roster. Uh mm -hmm. Don't really know how Sengun fits in with that team and how they're trying to build about that. So we'll see if he's maybe a trade candidate moving forward for that team. Sure. But, but yeah, I, I just kind of, you know, I'm kind of torn between uh, all these players and how we have them ranked because I feel like so many of them, you can make the case for where they should be drafted inside the top seven, eight guys. So it's, it's really fascinating to see, but you know, mm -hmm. here at, here at two, the Hornets, you know, they've been rumored to potentially shopping their pick. Uh, now they've recently been tied heavily to Brandon Miller. Some mm -hmm. people think that that could be a smokescreen, that they're actually going to take Scoot. I always say you can't really trust anything at this point because no. last year, Paulo Boncaro was like a lock to go third to the Rockets. Everybody yeah. thought Jabari Smith was going to Orlando. And then all of a sudden, the day of the draft, we're hearing Paulo's going number one. So I mm -hmm. wouldn't buy in too much to right now that the, the, the Hornets are tied to Brandon Miller. But based on what Kevin Pritchard has said and stuff that you've heard, how realistic do you think it is that the Pacers try to move up if Brandon Miller is available at pick number three? I mean, I'm I'm sure they'll try. I mean, I, I can't imagine that they haven't made the call already to ask, you know, what would it take? Um, you got to know. I mean, I, I think you got to know because I think, you know, he obviously has – Higher potential, obviously. The the downside is you have to go through at least a new cycle of explaining all the stuff that happened at Tuscaloosa. Not all the stuff. The one thing that happened yeah. that he was, you know, connected to. Um, but I think you look at it and say, okay, you you need a big wing, and you need a big wing who would shoot. And you know, he he seems to be a special guy. I mean, I think Pritchard went out and said, you know, I think there's there's you know. The, the top tier is Wembenyama by himself. Obviously, he was making a point to not say names. Um, but, you know, there's there's one tier with the number one guy, and everybody knows who it is. And then there's probably another tier with probably a couple guys. And I think it was pretty clear he met Scoot and Miller. And I, I think yeah. everybody used – pretty much at this point, I think everybody views the draft this way. That it's, you know, that basically there's Wembenyama's by himself because he's just – you know, he's an, he's an alien to use LeBron's term and it, it's right. Uh, but then there's Scoot and Miller and those guys have, you know, kind of juice that no one else after that has got. They're more sure things. Um, you know, you've seen those guys perform, obviously, Scoot at the G League level and, and uh, Brandon Miller at Alabama. Um, and you can really see who they can become. Um, and so I think if you're, you know, if, if you're sure about Brandon Miller, I mean, you, you got to at least find out what it's going to be. I mean, and the question, obviously, at the end of the day is what's it going to cost? And I don't think... If, if, if you're dealing with Portland, um, you know, I, I'm not sure what to say about Charlotte, but if you're dealing with Portland in particular, um, they're going to want players. 
they're going to want guys now, you know, the current established NBA players. And you have to ask yourself what you're willing to give up, mm-hmm. you know, at, at that point. And so, the, the, you know, really the end of the game, end, end game question for me is, are you willing to, if, are you willing to trade Turner? I would have a hard time. Uh, yeah. If it's anybody less than that, I'd probably make the deal. Yeah. I think uh, you'd, I think you'd have to move Turner to get up to three though. I, I think that's, I feel like you do. And I think that's hard. I got a hard time doing it. I mean, I, I mean, and, and, and I think reasonable people can disagree on that too. I, I know? would say this, if you're moving up to three to get Brandon Miller, then you're just taking another step back in terms of trying to add on to the rebuild, right? Cause you're making your team worse by doing that because Brandon Miller is not an established player. So I think if you're already making that decision to go up and get him, and it's going to cost Turner, then you just say, okay, we're really going into full rebuild mode. Yeah, we're flipping this thing around, and we're saying another year, another two years before you're talking playoffs again. Um, but then you have to believe in him. You have to get Halliburton to buy in. Um, yeah. And then somewhere you also have to draft another big. Yeah. So, you know, and – and or, or you got to get a big – Trade for one. What's that? You could yeah. trade for one. You could trade for one, but you got to find a way to get a real big. Yeah. Uh, you really trust and so it's it's an interesting decision i'd i'd have a hard time doing it for that reason because i feel like you you take a step back um and i i i kind of want to know what i i want to see this year's miles turner mm. you know i want to see a miles turner who doesn't have to think about whether he's getting traded you know and is comfortable and happy i mean i think um you know we, we talked to him at the end of the year he was he said you know like i was really in grind mode all year, I, I knew all that stuff was happening, so I tried to just block it out and just and just grind. And and I, I felt like it did something for me. But then I asked him, "Well, what do you think it's going to be like this year?" Um, if you don't have that, you know, if, if you don't have to deal with trade rumors and you don't have to spend all year asking, you know, are they going to resign me or not? Um, and it's like, you know, it, it is going to be something to have that level of comfort. So I kind of want to see what that looks like, you know. Yeah. And I want another year of of him with Tyrese Halliburton, you know, just from an just from an observer standpoint. I, I just, you know, I want to know what that looks like. And so if I were Pritchard, I'd have a hard time passing up on that. So I better believe in Miller, you yeah. know. I, like if I'm moving him for that, I better believe in him. And also, I think you'd like to get, uh, you'd like to get a player from Portland too, you know, mm-hmm. if, if they're going to want. Um, you know, Turner in the seven, you know, for the three, I, I you know, like I, it seems like they're, they're willing to part with Anthony Simons. I, I want him, yeah. you know, I would take him and push for that. Um, or, or somebody along those lines, at least Nurkic um, at the very least. Um, so I, I think you, but the bottom line is, is what would I, would I call? Yeah. I mean, if you're Kevin Pritchard, I think you should, you should already know uh, what it's going to take. Yeah. And I, and I think they will. I, I think that they've, like you said, they probably already had these conversations. Mm-hmm. And it, it might even take a third team to get a deal done like sure. this. So there's got to be a lot of options out there. And I think the one team to keep an eye on to, to try to determine which direction they go is Toronto because you have mm-hmm. to hire their coach. They've got some really good players like, you know, Fred Van Vliet's a free agent. Um, the guard, I always forget his name that they had out there, the, the two guards that they had. Uh, it'll hit me in here in a second. But OG, <laughs> he's got a player OG. option next year. Uh, Siakam's a free agent after this year. And, mm-hmm. you know, they could go a lot of different directions. So I, I think that uh, Gary Trent Jr., I think that's the yeah. guard they had. So he's a free agent. So, yeah, they just they have a lot of different options here. So uh, to kind of wrap up this conversation, I'm going to go through about six or seven names from the Pacers roster last year. Rapid mm-hmm. fire. I want you to tell me if they're on the team next year or not. Uh, if you feel the need to elaborate on one because you're a little bit hesitant on the answer, then that's fine. I'm going to be hesitant on all of them because I think like there's several guys that they could move <laughs> and like. 
from a reporting talking to them in the locker room standpoint, I'm going to miss whoever they trade. Yeah. You know, like, cause the guys that they're thinking about moving or, or that, that makes sense to move are like some of the best guys to cover, but anyway, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't want to like throw you under the bus or anything. So oh, I'm uh, good. I'm good, but now it's fair. Yeah. So we'll start off here uh, with the O'Shea percent. No, not bad. De- definitely gone. Uh, it's right. a sh- O'Shea's a good dude, but there's there's just no way they they've got to make room for whoever they're drafting, and they got to let somebody go. And yeah. it's got O'Shea. Okay, James Johnson. No. Okay, George Hill. Yes. All right, Daniel Tice. Gone. All right, Jalen Smith. Stays. All right, Chris Duarte. Eileen stay, stays. I mean, I, I think you have to see if somebody will take him and see if that moves anybody. But I, I, I think if I'm another team, I'm thinking I don't know what happened to him. So you guys can. That's that's a that's a great point because his value is very low right now in terms yeah. of I mean, and he and he can get better. And I think Ricardo believes in him. And again, yeah. Duarte really really good dude. So like, I want to make sure I said that. Um, but I, I think, and, and I don't think, I don't think he's broken. Right uh, at all, but I think you get pennies on the dollar for him right now. Yeah. Uh, so it's like unless unless somebody is like, hey man, I really believe in Duarte. Uh, I know that no one else is going to give you an offer like this, but I want him. Yeah. You know, I, I imagine they move him, but I, I imagine mostly that that you'll be looking at pennies on the dollar. So, um, I, I think they'll. Ha- I, I think they would have a hard time, and I do think that there could be value in him. A year from now, I think you could see Chris Duarte getting back to his old self, uh, or at least getting back on some kind of track by next year. He'll he'll probably have a lesser role than you're thinking, but I think it could be a legitimate bench scorer. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I, I I I you you might end up happy you have him in a year. Yeah. So, okay, let's do three more, just because I, I mean, obviously, and you can't trade everybody, but I'm just curious. Uh, yeah. Jordan Mora. Yeah, because I don't know that anyone knows how good he is. Yeah. And I, I think that you you wouldn't get a lot of value. And I think that he has a chance to be a really good player. And I think they're really like, he impressed me for sure. I mean, it, that was, you want to talk about bargain basement additions. You know, it's, it's literally like somebody like somebody like handing you, you a perfectly usable couch, you know, yeah. that they touched or a usable TV because they don't have any space for it and they got it for free. You know, like what a, what a bargain. I mean, I, I, I think he'll be good. I don't think anybody knows how good he is right now. Um, and so I don't know how good of a trade piece he would be, but I, I think he'd be a very productive player for him. Yeah, they don't have any other guys at 6'8 either. I mean, he's the only no. real like 6'8, 6'9 guy they have too. So it does make sense. Right. Uh, TJ McConnell. I hope so. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to say, I, I don't see him trading him. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's 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 the, the the question is just the value, and it's just because I think if you want a second unit point guard, I mean, like he he does everything you want, and, right. and I mean, showed so much value this year. My like, obviously, you know, it, it is a situation where there it's it's going to sting, yes, you know, to, to lose him. Um, but it, so it's going to have to be as part of a deal that really gets you something. I mean, yeah. I would just say if if if. You're not losing TJ McConnell for nothing. You might trade him, but you're getting value. This is what I would say. The only uh, way I can see them really moving him is for salary filler on a big trade. I yeah, just, maybe. I just can't. I think Nimhard's going to probably start again next year and they'll play Mathern at the three. I just, mm-hmm. I just can't envision them not starting Nimhard with how successful it was last year with him taking the pressure off Tyrese guarding 
yeah. the other best guards. To me, that's my biggest concern if I pull Nimhart out is now I'm relying on Tyrese and Benedict to guard some of the better guards and that's, that's true. not their strength. That's a really good point. And you don't know if you can start if you're if you're drafting a power forward, you know, you might move Neesmith onto the bench and hope yeah. that he's kind of defensive ace on the bench. And you might have Neesmith and McConnell together at a really good defensive second unit. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean I don't know. I I yeah, I, the more you the more you talk about it, I lean <laughs> there. I, I guess the bottom line is is like the they're they're not going to give him up for nothing. Where right, whereas there right. are certain guys where like you you got to move off Daniel, you know you you got to find a way to move Daniel Tice like you have yeah. to you yeah. know. But TJ McConnell is not one of those guys. He is valuable. It's just if if he's the guy that gets you over the edge on a big deal, yeah. you know that someone's like you know what I really want a second unit point guard with this. Yeah. Then then I don't I don't think they hold up a big trade to hold on to TJ. But uh, they're not they're not giving him up for nothing. Yeah. Good points. Uh, last one, obviously the big one, Buddy Heald. Man, I really hope so. Uh, Buddy's about like that's gonna be. I'm gonna lean, I'm gonna say like fifty five percent yes, but like Buddy's also again if you're if you're gonna make a big deal, you probably have to like. They can't make a big deal without moving Buddy or Miles. Yeah, I think that's the thing. Ultimately, they they can't get a big a real deal player without moving one of those two guys that that's, they're going to have to give somebody the commands that much value. I'm like, like you presume Halliburton and Matherin are untouchable, that those are the two untouchable guys. Um, and I think to really land somebody that matters, um, they're going to have to move either buddy or miles. Um, well, let me just and, throw this out at you real quick, because you yeah. said you think they keep Duarte. Mm. If you start Nimhard and Halliburton at the one and the two, your backup right. is now McConnell Duarte and Buddy Heald, and you said Neesmith coming off the bench if you draft a four, then you got Jordan Moore in the mix. Someone's not going to be in the rotation. Yeah, you're getting you're getting stacked there. Yeah, you're yeah. getting a little tight. That being said, like, they are going to have to uh, – moving Buddy is going to be an issue with the newest member of the front office, Tyrese Halliburton. Um, <laughs> so, you know uh, – it, it, I, and I, I noticed I Tyrese tweeted something out today about uh, that he, there was some stat from NBA University about how um, Buddy's just you know the, one of the best floor spacers, one of the best uh, high volume shooters in the league, and he said something about how underappreciated he is. Like it is going to be a battle to convince Tyrese that Buddy's got to go. Uh, yeah. And I, I, you know, again, like you do, Buddy does make things go. Because um, you know, he like his his ability to space the floor, his consistency with getting to the place he needs to go, the fact that he does not stop running. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you you never like there was one play I remember where uh, Ben Matherin got pulled because he didn't run to the corner, um, and Carlisle told us that's why he pulled him. Buddy runs to the corner on every single play. Buddy knows exactly what he what his role is, how to do it, and you know, Buddy keeps everything open he he has gravity he he requires a defender to be out on him every time and that opens up so much for Tyrese and so you if if you're going to take away buddy by you're going to have to give Tyrese something that you know you're going to have to get him a real shooter you're going to have to get him a big time player you're going to have to convince him that it's a good idea like you cannot let him walk for 50 cents on the dollar or 65 cents on the dollar you know like you're you're going to have to convince him that this is a good idea um so it's going to be a fight to move buddy and and you it's you know like 
he and and I do think Pritchard knows that. I, I think that's one thing that he mentioned was, you know, like I remember we were talking in January and he said, you know, like Buddy Hill's a part of something. I don't know what it is yet, but he is a part of something. And he's this, you know, <laughs> odd cat. Um fits in the locker has a very kind of specific place in the locker room. It's not a guy that you would refer to as a captain, but everybody likes him. And you know, again, your best player, your franchise centerpiece loves the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is going to be hard for Tyrese to sign off on anything that moves Buddy Heald. And so there better be a big return um, on right. Buddy Heald. You might have packaged a couple guys together, but there's to, to move Buddy, they're going to have to get something big and they're going to have, have to be able to tell their superstar that it was a good idea. So, so, so you're, you're leaning that Buddy stays. I'm leaning that he stays okay. barely. Barely. I mean, I, I think there's a <laughs> lot of things that could create that because, I, again, I do think Pritchard wants to make a big splash. Yeah. But it's like all I'm saying, what I'm saying is, I, I guess the thing about it is, is if, if you're a Pacers fan, what I think you can walk away comfortably thinking is if Buddy Hill's not on this team in November, that means they got something real. That's okay. what I would say. Okay. So I, I don't think they're going to move him just to free up the salary for later. I, I think no. they, you know, I, I, they'd, they'd rather, you know, keep him on for a year and let him walk, you know, or try to negotiate a smaller contract after this. You know, do I think they pay him $19 million in a year? I don't. Yeah. But, um, you know, do I think they could get him to stay for less? I don't think it's out of the question. Yeah. Uh, you know, it might not be, but I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll be very, but Buddy Hill is a fascinating piece for me just because again, he's a fascinating guy. Like yeah. he's not buddy, like he's out there, but he's a, he's a solid human being. And like, he can get sideways with the team. Yeah. And it's, I think it's also a situation where as far as moving him is concerned, you got to know that he's going to fit with you. Yeah. You know, he didn't fit in Sacramento. Um, and it's gotta be a franchise that has it together. Um, for him to be useful. But if he gets in there and he's happy and he's got guys that understand how good he is and can play with him and get on the ball um, in good situations, then he will do right by them and, and you have a very valuable player. Um, so that's that's all I would say is if they're moving Buddy, it's going to be for something that matters and it will have had to have passed through Tyrese Halliburton. And it will not be easy to pass that. <laughs> I but. think all the Buddy believers are uh, right there behind you. For your campaign <laughs> for for Buddy Hill to stay, for me, basically for my writing for well, my, I'm going to miss. I will miss Buddy Hill quotes if he goes. Yeah. I will say that my notebook will miss Buddy Hill badly uh, yeah. if he moves. But I, you know, I, I, it, it is a situation though where I think on the flip side of it is if you're going to make a big splash, I don't know how you don't move him. You know, expiring contract and is a good shooter. I mean. Yeah, I don't know if, if unless you're moving Miles. I mean, I I, I I don't think you can make a big splash trade. Uh, obviously maybe you could move up from seven to five uh, just with those extra draft picks or something like that. Um, but to get a player, to get a guy who's established in the league, mm-hmm. I don't think you can do it without moving at least buddy, if not miles. Yeah. And I, and I definitely think that with how much overlap there is in the guard position, buddy mm-hmm. is extremely more expendable to me than miles yeah. Turner. Is. So Yes, I is. think I think Tyrese is smart enough to understand the business side of things, even if right. it will sting. But he's if you've got, got enough if you've got to pick between the two. If you've got to pick between the two, it's Turner that you want to keep. I, right. I, think I that, mean, that's that, that, there's a clear difference in tier. Yes. Obviously, Miles is clearly, <laughs> I think, um, the third most sort of valuable player is a trade piece. The first two being unmovable. 
Um, you know, Miles, there, there's some level of movability. Miles, obviously, you only got him for two more years, um, and whatnot. Um, but you know, he he has a chance to bring you a lot more than Buddy can. But I think Buddy is the clear four. You know, but Buddy is the clear fourth most valuable player, and there is a significant drop off. I think after that, unless you want to move Nemhard and Neesmith, which I think I, I think they're more valuable to you than they would be valuable to somebody else. You know, I I think yeah, I, I think Nemhard's probably to me more valuable than potentially the ability to run the the ability to run the point makes it just different. that in his age, like he just fits sure. in with this group. And I think Buddy being in his thirties, like yeah, oh, yeah, he's important, but I also feel like. I'm a little bit. I'm not as strongly uh, uh, tied to him as you are in terms of his value. I, I definitely think yeah. that. Uh, I think that the Pacers really have to improve their defense, and I'm just not sure yeah. Yeah. if if you can play him and Jordan Moore together. And yeah. yeah, you know, to me, it's just like some of the signs. I felt like Pritchard didn't really commit to Buddy when he was asked about him at he the did. season presser. No, so, I, I, that was my question. So I, yeah. I, and I did not come away from that feeling that they were sure at all, that he was sure at all about that. Yeah. And the defense is a big piece. And he said that basically like, well, he's going to have to defend. And if he's not, then that changes things. I mean, it makes right. him re-signable. Um, you know, again, like I think, uh, like, again, I, I don't, that you can't be tied to him. You know, mm-hmm. you, you can't view him as an unmovable piece. He, he's got to be on the, on, on the block for you. Um, yeah. It has to be, it's just a question of, are you going to get the return? Um, and so that's the big piece is just what it's, uh, you know, he's sort of in an interesting middle there where like, I don't know if he's good enough to command somebody that's, you know, a, a, he's not good enough to command somebody who's kind of a fringe all-star player. And, but like, I, I also think you, you want somebody back who you're going to be able to depend on too, you know, no, the, I get what you're saying. Difference. So, but yeah, I mean, it's tough to know, like, okay, like unless you start seeing the trades on the board of what it would be, but I do think that, that, they're going to go into this knowing there's really real value in Buddy Heald because mm-hmm. in the way the game is played now, to keep the floor spread out and have somebody who's legitimately making a bunch of those shots and not just taking them right. uh, makes a difference. Well, Dustin, it was great stuff, man. Great conversation with you. I know we talked a lot here about all different kinds of scenarios. So Enjoyed it, man. Enjoyed it for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, where can people find your work at on social media and uh, maybe the website? Yeah, at uh, at at Dustin DePirac on Twitter, uh, and obviously at the Indy Star, you won't find my byline for a little while longer. You'll still see my stories. You'll know from Twitter whose they are. If they're about the Pacers, they're mine. Uh, but obviously, we're still in the middle of our byline withdrawal protest, uh, so I'm not going to get into a whole bunch of union proselytizing out here. But um, you know, we've talked about it. You've seen us on Twitter. But yeah. uh, basically, if it's if it's a Pacer story and it says Indy Star Sports, it's probably mine. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And then. Uh, we are going to take a quick break, ladies and gentlemen. When we come back, we'll have on former Pacer and general manager of Overtime Elite, Damian Wilkins. You don't want to miss that. We'll be right back after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. 
Need to hire? You need Indeed. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. All righty, Pacer Nation. Joining us now on Setting the Pace, it's former Indiana Pacer, Damian Wilkins. Damian, how's it going, man? Going well, thank you. Yeah, that was a, that was a fun year with the Pacers, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> man, I, I had a ball, man. I spoke to, actually spoke to Chad Buchanan this morning. Oh, did you really? Did he, did he have anything good to say? <laughs> Keep in contact with him uh, quite often, man. That's my guy. Yeah, he is. Uh, he is a good guy, and he actually was on our podcast a couple of weeks ago. So, really appreciate Chad doing that, and he is one of the best. But I wanted to talk to you today because you are the GM and head of basketball of Overtime Elite, and there is a, you know, not a lot of people are super familiar with the Overtime Elite. I think we're getting more used to it as bigger names like a and Asar Thompson. Uh, are in this draft process. And so I wanted to talk to you just a little bit about both those two guys, but I wanted to start things off talking about overtime elite. Can you just kind of explain more of what this league is and what you're, what you guys are trying to get out there? Well, we're, we're, we're a basketball league. We have, um, you know, we, we focus a lot on player development, accelerated player development, both on and off the court. Um, you know, at the, the core of us, we're a media company. So a lot of things that we do are on social media, um, building up our players' brands, um, you know, again, helping them develop both on and off the court, professionally, personally. Um, and then we have our OTE Academy, um, you know, the school that, that, that our student athletes go to and attend. Um, you know, we have uh, a number of, you know, high-level skill development coaches, high-level learning facilitators to help these guys in the classroom, you know, high-level staff of, of health performance and conditioning, um, people who help these guys, you know, with their bodies and to stay in shape. Um, you know, our brand, our branding and our social component, you know, helping getting these guys, you know, active on social media, building up their social media platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we do we do we do a lot of things here that that, that help these guys grow. Um, their business acumen and, um, you know, at the core of all of that you know, is our basketball, is the league, is the development of these guys. And, um, you know, so far, you know, I think we've, we've, we've checked a lot of the boxes. Mm. And I'm curious just because like big names like Amen and Asar, how, how big is them getting drafted in the lottery going to help overtime elite? Oh, it's going to help. It's going to be huge um, just to see, you know, two guys from our program, you know, go so early in the draft. Um, you know, it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna catapult us, I'm sure, to a whole nother level. It's gonna help our recruiting. Um, it's certainly gonna help the business. Um, you know, Joseph, he's gonna get all the money for that. Um but uh, but we're gonna have a we're gonna it, it, it's gonna be a great night, you know, doing draft night. You know, we have three other guys who are also um should be, you know, playing professional basketball or getting a two-way contract or getting on the summer league roster as well. And Jay-Z, Bryce Briggs and um, Jalen Martin. So Mm -hmm. um, this is a big couple weeks for us. Um, 
you know, obviously a huge moment for those guys and their families. And, you know, we were just happy to be a part of their journey. Absolutely. And I mean, the Pacers have the seventh overall pick and, you know, there's, there's a possibility that one of the Thompson twins could be a member of the Indiana Pacers in just a couple of weeks. So uh, let's start things off here with Asar because he is a six foot seven wing, obviously uh, MVP of the OT last year, really good player. And I think that a lot of fans are excited for what his potential could become. What do you like about Asar's game and how do you think he could fit in with the Pacers? I just think he's a tremendous kid, first of all, you know, mm-hmm. and I think it's, you know, any organization, right? Like, um, he's a tremendous kid, um, smart kid, super astute, great family, um, you know, but also he's 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 a hell of a basketball player, competitive, you know, super explosive and, and, and athletic, you know, um, a playmaker, um, a guy who can play a lot off the ball, a guy who can play on the ball. Um, just a special, special talent, and you know I can't wait to see you know where his path takes him. Yeah, on the, on the flip side of men, he's been in most mock drafts you've seen a men go most of the time to Houston at four. So um, the big knock on a men is the jump shot or the lack of a jump shot. Is that going to be something that is a hurdle for him, or is that something that you've seen improvement from uh, from a men on that jump shot over time? I've seen a ton of improvement just from both of them in terms of their jump shot. Um, you know, I say this all the time. I was just on another, doing another interview and I was saying, you know, people talk about their jump shot or lack thereof as if like everyone else in the draft was Steph Curry. <laughs> um, you know, they, they, they every, I think all 60 guys who are going to be drafted in the next couple of weeks have a whole lot to work on still to become, you know, the dominant NBA players that I'm sure they all want to be. Um, so yeah, he has some. They they both have some things to work on. One in particular that's glaring being their jump shot. But um, you know, even with that, I still don't think there are two guys in the draft that can do the things that they do on the basketball court in terms of athleticism, in terms of defensive prowess, in terms of just um, you know playmaking ability. So you know, the jump shot will come. Um, you know, with time, with work ethic, um, it'll happen, and those guys are gonna both have a, enough time to work on it and they are extreme hard workers who understand where their game is right now. Um, and they're realistic with themselves. So mm-hmm. um, I don't see that being a problem, you know, five years from now. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that, that is the, the one glaring thing that people talk about and they understand that. And I think um, the important part of it is, is they know that. Right. So they know the thing that 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 they have to spend the most time working on to, to yeah. become complete players. Right. And, and and honestly, even going back to last year, I think around July, once the draft was over, we kind of looked forward a little bit to this upcoming class and some of the draft analysts that we had on. They were raving about Amen and Asar's, you know, uh, just how mentally they get it. They understand what it takes uh, to be in this position, like they can handle the pressure of being a top five pick. It's not going to get to their head. They're just really, you know, grounded individuals that have their stuff together and, and that they're going to be able to really come in and impact from day one. And I think even back then that uh, the person we had on, they said Asar Thompson would be a perfect fit in Indiana next to a guy like Tyrese and Ben Matherin just because, you know, uh, of his capabilities and obviously a uh, men as well, but just both of them being very, uh, very well grounded. So, uh, and in addition to that, I feel like 
most of your average NBA fan, they get a lot of their analysis from watching college basketball. And yeah. the G League Ignite is slowly rising as well. But there's different avenues now. You got international, you got G League, you got overtime elite, and you got college. But do you think that maybe people are sleeping on Asar and Amen a little bit just because they're not as familiar with how overtime elite works and compared to college basketball? I tell you what, the people that got draft picks aren't sleeping on them. Yeah. And I think that's what matters the most to both Amanda's yeah. and and us, right? Like, you know, um, we're new. We're still new. Um, we still have some respect to game. Uh, but if you look at, like, our first two years and even going into our third year, like, the number of guys that we produce that's playing professional basketball right now, giving themselves a chance to play professional basketball right now, um, you know, we're, we're – we're, we're right up there with some of those colleges and some of those schools that produce these pros. And um, we're proud of that. We're going to continue to do the best that we can to help every guy that comes through our door be the best they can be both on and off the court, um, you know, and leave here an OTE guy. And people are going to know what they're going to be getting out of an OTE guy. And, um, you know, again, we're thrilled about the success that we've had. Um, we're excited about the success that we're going to have in our future. Um, so, I mean, people may not – there may be some people who don't know us, right? But mm. the people who don't know us, I don't know, um, you know, how much of a concern that is for us right now at, at the rate we're going and the things that we're doing. And, you know, you're not going to win everybody, mm. right? Like everyone, everyone's not going to like you, and, 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 and we're okay with that. Um, but, you know, we keep packing the stands with, with a number of NBA scouts and college scouts and international scouts and um, the crowds that support us, um, the people that come watch us play. And here we are with two guys that's going to be, you know, off the board in the first 30 minutes of the draft. Um, that's just solidify a lot for us. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And I'm excited to see how those two guys and the rest of the class that's coming from OTE this year, uh, how they play. And it's uh it's it's hard not to, you know, gravitate towards them in Asar just because they're more popular names. But uh, the three names that you mentioned that as well could be uh, either picked up on, you know, uh, undrafted free agents or drafted in the second round, maybe late first. Talk to me a little bit more about those three guys in their game. Well, I've been pushing Chad to take Jalen Martin in the second round. I think he's a perfect <laughs> fit. Indiana, Indiana's culture, um, a three and D guy, really gets after a great kid. You know, just a, a straight A student, um, you know, good size, um, coachable, you know, just a sponge when it comes for, to information. Jay Zion Gorman, another guy who plays really hard, uh, uh, just a hooper. Um, you know, think of think of him as like a Jamal Crawford type guy that plays defense. Um, okay. <laughs> you know, you're gonna you, you talk about Bryce Briggs, who I feel like had he got invited to the G League combine would have been the best point guard there. Um, you know, so just just super crafty, strong, um, sees the floor very well. Um, just re again, like a lot of it they had prior to coming to OTE. And, you know, we just put an extra little seasoning on it and help those guys get better and be become better versions of what they were when they can, when they signed with us. So um, guys, three guys, again, outside of a man and a star who should have opportunities to play professional basketball. Um, in the near future. All right. So let's look forward to 2024. I know this is a little bit premature, but uh, players we should keep an eye on for the 2024 class. Oh, man. Um, 
guys that's come out of here, I would say Ethan Almanza, Alex Sarr, Tyler Smith, um, those guys for sure, um, who are alumni of us, who are, have gone on to, you know, respective um, situations in, you know, with the G League Ignite and, and, and Australian League. Um, you know, we have guys coming in in-house, you know, younger guys who are coming in in-house that we're going to have, um, have back here, say like a, a Nas Cunningham, a Trey Parker, um, those guys who is going to be their show, um, you know, and they're going to be able to, to to carry the load after being here after one year, um, you know, and, and I'm excited to see where their game evolves, what their game evolves into. Um, we'll be a lot younger, so we won't have many 2024 guys um, as it stands right now. But as you know, things can change in the next couple of weeks when we get, you know, some commitments from some guys that we're going after. Absolutely. That'll be awesome to see. And uh, I'm just excited to see how the overtime league grows. I think it's great that there's different avenues for players to pick how they want to go about their NBA career. I mean, it doesn't have to just be one path, and that's great uh, for so many people. So I, I got to ask a Pacers question, obviously, since you're a former Pacer. Uh, this team has taken a totally different direction than from when you were there. So from what you know about this Pacers team right now, uh, Benedict Mather and Tyrese Halliburton, Miles Turner, uh, someone you played with, and then, of course, uh, you know, Andrew Nimhard last year. What do you think about this Pacers team and how they're shaping up in the Eastern Conference? They got a really, really, really good young core. Um, I was happy that that Miles got his extension, um, you know, solidifying him to stick around for a while longer. Um, Tyrese Halliburton, one of the best young talents in the league right now. Um, super competitive, great playmaker, great shot maker, um, good size for his position. Um, you guys got a lot, man. Got a lot to work with and got a lot to build um, from. Um, and I think so far the core is shaping out to be um, something that that the NBA better look out for in the future. Um, you know, Chad and Kevin, those guys, they know what they know what they're doing, and they're gonna put a roster together that's um, is gonna be competitive, man. And I'm looking forward to see it. It's like that's my last team. It feels like it was my only team because of the experiences that I had there. Um, and the people that I keep in contact there in Indiana. So um, I'm excited about the possibilities there. And obviously, if they get one of our guys, that would be great, too. Yeah, we'll be seeing you around more if that's the case. But, uh, yeah, uh, I guess my last I guess my last Tyrese question is because he made the All-Star game this year, really kind of put Indiana on the map for a little bit there before he went down with that injury in January. How much better can he make players that are young players like a and Asar if they were to be drafted to the Pacers how can Tyrese elevate their game? Yeah, I, I, I think they can learn a ton from him. A guy who's, you know, been in the league a little bit now, um, knows the nuances of it, see how it works, see how to be successful. Um, you know, so, uh, again, I'm in the SAR type guys, you know, they're able to, they're fortunate enough to get one of them. You know, they can learn a lot from a guy like him, um, you know, who came in the league with criticism on his jump shot, mm-hmm. right, and form and his mechanics about it. Um, and you see how, you know, he hasn't let that affect him much in his play. He held, like you said, he was an all-star, um, you know, a guy that was, you know, heavily coveted, you know, around that trade deadline last year before, before getting to Indiana. So a lot of people clearly think, you know, a lot of him. Um, and, and that'll just be, you know, a great person to learn from, um, for one of our guys or for any young guy coming in yeah, that's great to hear. I mean, everybody has raved about his leadership in the front office all the way down to the players on the team. So, Damian, I want to thank you for your time and uh, best of luck with the thank you for having OTE me. and uh, always a pacer. That's right. <laughs> always a pacer.
All right, Damien, thank you. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.